Welcome back to the Lions May Podcast, episode 23. Today is just a bomb of an episode. We are joined by Coach Evie Casagrande, who is the head of performance and a professional Marta Troll in the NWSL. She works for the Orlando Pride there. She's the head strength and conditioning coach of the NWSL women's team, and I'm so excited that she's on this episode because we talk about everything. We talk about what it's like to become a professional, the professional annual schedule, training in off-season versus preseason versus in-season, nutrition and mental health for professional athletes, the difference between high school and college and professional play, and so much more. So if you're interested in strength and conditioning or being a pro or making it to the high levels or even just mindset things, you need to listen to this episode. You need to follow the EV. I'm so excited that she was able to join us on the podcast. So without further ado, let's get it rocking. Evie, welcome to the Lions Man Podcast, and I'm super psyched that you're here. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to chat with you. So tell us who you are for the people who aren't getting their lives and don't follow you on the Twitters and the Instagrams. Please tell <laughs> us who Evie Casagrande is. <laughs> My name is Evie Casagrande, so, but if you're Brazilian, <laughs> you'll probably say Evie Casagrande. Um, like Marta? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm working currently for Orlando Pride of the NWSL. Um, I'm currently, I'm not currently, I, I'm from Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a, quite a, a journey to get here. And um, it's been really good. I was before coming to Orlando, I worked for uh, Redline Athletics. <laughs> Uh, youth athletic training center in Michigan for a year and a half um, and before that I was at Bowling Green State University where I actually did my bachelor's and master's there um, in exercise physiology um, and I also was uh, working for the women's soccer team there while I was doing my master's which was an amazing uh, experience and pretty much kind of what still sh- like shape uh, who I am as a coach it was that really cool experience of linking the 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 theory with the practical side of it with the team so um it's been really cool journey so far and so you've also worked with um us u17 national team is that right yeah so i work for dm for us soccer um so i do some camps for them um, especially I think off season it's, it's for now it's better off season because we don't have time to do in season um, but I work with the women's youth national teams so as a sports scientist so I go to different camps uh, I work with U18 uh, U20s um, so it's a really good really good experience too to kind of uh, be at that level and keep learning um, and uh, yeah how old were you when you came from Brazil to the States to play? Was it just your first year of college? Uh, I came in actually, yeah, first year of college. So 2010. So I finished my high school in, in Brazil. And then my dream was always to come to the United States to play soccer. So I played, I played professional in Brazil, played futsal in Brazil. And then um, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to get a scholarship um, to come here. So I went to Ohio. 
which everybody's like, what, what did you do? <laughs> why? Like, why? Because why? I had actually good offers from like Florida and all that. And I'm like, well, at the time, I just wanted to kind of get away from the, from Brazil and Brazilians. And I just wanted to really live the culture, you know, because a lot of the times is when you, when you go, when you come from Brazil, there's a lot of internationals and a lot of Brazilians in the schools and you end up just kind of being that same group that you were before and I didn't want that so I went to the school that I was actually one and two Brazilians in the entire school I was um, which was great for me because I had to really um, deal with learning English and kind of some people making fun of my accent but um, <laughs> I came that. a long way <laughs> I came a long way I still I still have a really strong accent uh, that people laugh sometimes but I'm used to it now um, before I would take it personally but now I'm okay with it you can't you just have to enjoy being the joke of the party right <laughs> Been yeah, there many exactly. times. <laughs> I know right exactly so I and I know Americans are relentless so uh, yeah yeah so I just have fun with it so so you came from Brazil having played all of the things over there to mm-hmm. Ohio to hang out with white people and play with them in college. <laughs> and then you now work, you worked previously also in youth and you've also worked in the mm-hmm. national teams and now you work pro just to summarize all that. So, yeah. And, and bef- uh, between all that, I did a bunch of internships and mentorships. So uh, that kind of really helped me connect with the best coaches and um, really learn from different uh, people in the industry. So um, I was fortunate enough to have, Big, big two mentors, uh, Ben at the time, he was at Arsenal as a physio, and Kelly Starrett um, as a physio. He, they both still guide me through everything I do. Like, I always kind of use them to see, like, am I doing this right? Like, and yeah. the best thing with them is, like, they don't really show me the way, but they help me really have the critical, like, critical think about everything. And I think that's what exactly helped me to be where I'm at and still yeah. growing. Um, but yeah, so I, I did some mentorships with Arsenal and um, I've been in uh, Aston Villa, spent some time at uh, FC Basel with their academies, uh, just learning how they do there. Um, and then I worked for, as an intern for Exos in Los Angeles in 2016, which really opened my eyes to training and, and mm-hmm. being a strength conditioning coach. Um, I, I interned with LA Galaxy there in my time. So, um, yeah, so everything pretty much, um, it was great for me to kind of develop and learn from all those amazing coaches along the way um, and still am, still working to be the best I can every day. So Every single day. You've been killing it this year, too, at Orlando. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been a, a really cool learning experience, especially this first year, because everything's so different when you get to the professional level as a lead strength conditioning coach, so different than when you were as an intern, you know, so oh, yeah. I have to learn a lot of things. So, um, yeah, I, I've learned so much this year, more than all the, the years before, and I'm really grateful for that. So, um yeah, so I'm in a happy place right now. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> I mean, but you've touched every single level of sport. So in your opinion, what are in your experience, I guess, what are some of the main mm-hmm. differences that you see between collegiate sport and pro ball? 
Um, well, I think a lot of the college um, experience that I had, it was a lot of, it really has a really big similarity with youth, right? Youth, youth training, because you're pretty much developing those athletes and learning and teaching them um, the best way to be successful. Mm-hmm. And they have to deal um, with the high competitiveness of, of a collegiate soccer, right? And um, you have to teach them how to really don't burn out, especially with academics, because I've been there. I was a pre-med in, in college. So um, I was, yeah, it was really hard for me to kind of, you know, but I was there to do that. I was, I, I went, especially, I went to the U.S. especially for that. I went to yeah. play soccer and study. I was not messing around. So yeah. um, I was not the social bird uh, of the team for sure, but it, it was worth it because I, I had a really good academic um, four years and, and I learned a lot in my athletics um, there. But the biggest thing I think for me, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a, is the development, which mm-hmm. – I, I would say that, but then at the same time, I, I would say that in professional soccer, you're still developing players. You you think that they know the way, but a lot of the times you, you kind of have to guide them through. Because uh, a lot Sometimes of times we regress a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. And it, and I always, I, I've been saying that a lot is um, the best thing that happened to me was training the youth for like five years and then go to pro because that really helps you to kind of um, – be a better coach with the professional uh, players because you know how to how to reach out to them. You know how to really be specific in what you want and uh, be creative in how you do the things. Um, you learn how to keep your ass off too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's it, it's it's really there's a lot of similarities, but with the game of soccer, especially, there's a lot of differences, right? In colleges, especially college here in, in America, like we have Fridays Fridays and Sunday games, right? Mm-hmm which here in, in, in a professional world is most, sometimes you get Wednesday, Saturday games, but mm-hmm. most, most of the weeks it's Saturday to Saturday game. So, um, and in college soccer, you deal with unlimited subs, which is crazy. And here, um, when you get to the professional level, you only have three, right? So it's a completely different, you see college players, even like with the physical side, uh, there might not be, you know, completely ready for the professional demands just because of that little detail of their, they can be subbing, like if they're tired, they're subbed out and then they can get a breath and then come back to the game. Um, So it's, yeah, it's interesting. So um, that's definitely something that um, it's a, it's quite, quite different. Um, But in regards to the development, I, I believe that even the professionals, they always have room to develop in, in terms of the holistic approach to, to athletic development. So um, I can only nod my head and agree. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. So it, it's really interesting to see. And of course, you kind of have to really regress it with college players because you're coming from high school. Well, if you have international players, when I came, I never lifted before. So you really have to teach kind of like a youth, like really the young, young players. It's like technique 101 and be really cautious with that, with being able to really be a good coach in terms of teaching a good technique and good um, loading progression and all that. Um, So when they come to the professional world, they kind of have that a little bit from college. 
but you still you still see players coming from college they're not ready uh, in terms of the physical side of it the strength and you kind of have to regress with them and and kind of know the players that you're working with um, to get the best out of them so so what areas would you say then makes the biggest difference like from a physical standpoint between collegiate and pro like what did you have to work on when you first got new pro players that were fresh out of club out of college mm -hmm. into the club um i think from my perspective and i think that's because that's how my coaching philosophy is a little bit it's a, the movement quality right so a lot of the times i see college players that are really strong but then when you see the efficiency or fishes on the field or efficiency of movement or the compensations yeah. right i always tell like athletes are masters of compensations and Absolutely. they comp they know they know how to compensate really well to to do what they need to do so for me it's like okay you're strong but now can we kind of regress a little bit in terms of creating stability that you need mm -hmm. the mobility that you need to kind of really transferred that into the real world of soccer. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing. Um, there are a lot of good college programs, uh, strength conditioning programs that really prepare them like the, the holistic way. But still I see uh, players coming from college that still don't have that movement quality um, portion. It's not, I think for me, it's not only about being the fittest and being the strongest, it's how can you really use that to your advantage in the field right so yeah. that means being efficient uh, it's the little things that matter and i always tell the players that i work with sometimes the training can be boring like the movement yeah. efficiency training can be boring you know like you do like wall drills and all that that stuff but they see the the value because they see the difference so like i use a lot of video feedback to show yeah. them like this is the way where you started it was great like you, you did really well you had you hit good positions there but how can you be two percent more efficient on you know accelerate or well, how we can play we a game where everybody wins a little bit faster so that's a hundred percent exactly 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 so so that's kind of what i try to teach them and try to try to get them especially this year we kind of really re not regress but like we use a lot of basic and and i'm all about the, doing the basics really well so in the gym we did a lot of stability mobility kind of evaluating players uh, complaints in terms of soreness and tightness and kind of like okay how can i do my gym program to really fill those gaps that they you know that can help them to be successful in the field so um, for soccer players, for example, like lack of lumbar pelvic control or big toe mobility, those little things that people don't, they underestimate, but um, that can really make a difference. So you can really throw like a three exercise activation before a gym that can hit those things, you know, and, and it's all about how, how can it be efficient um, in your time with them? Because as a strength conditioning coach, we all know that we have very limited time. Yeah. Um, use how much the time do you get? As, um, well, I'm actually really fortunate here. I, I have decent time with them. We have a 10 minutes prehab every day and then we do, um, our dynamic warm up can really vary based on the day. So if we have just a normal regular training session, it can be 10 minutes, eight, 10 minutes. And then if we have like max speed where we need to prepare them a little bit more, it can get to 15 to 20. Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course it, it really varied, uh, through the weeks, but 
we try to have at least two gym sessions a week, 45 minutes. I think that's enough in season um, to do. So I think it's all on, on kind of like how to use that time really efficiently. You know, I always talk about warm up. It's really easy for you to get into the, the, um, the routine of just warming them up and that's it. But you can use the warm ups to do so much. Like you can do stability, you can do deceleration drills, you can do, you can be creative and kind of fill the gaps that the team needs. And I think that's the biggest thing that I learned. Um, it's kind of um, not doing the stuff that you, that you as a coach like to do. That you yeah. think it's sexy. You think it's it war. It's the thing that it's what the team needs and what the players need. Um, and every team is going to be different. All the the needs of the players are going to be different. So how can you really use that time efficiently based on, on the players, you know? And yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, Cause it, especially with the social media world that we see Instagram and, and Twitter and see all those drills, but people need to understand that those drills work for that specific player. Right. So we have maybe. To kind of like, <laughs> maybe, yes, maybe. And yeah, we have not a lot of good content there. We have very good content, but we have, they have the, the two extremes, but um, it's all about kind of knowing your players and knowing the needs of each of your player and, and kind of how to use that time wisely. So, yeah. Do you do verbal feedback with your players or did they have to fill in a, a survey? A lot of it is verbal feedback. So, well, we do a wellness questionnaire in the mornings, mm-hmm. um, but I think sometimes wellness, wellness questionnaires really, it's, you really need to know how to use it because it's, it's sometimes it's just numbers, right? It's sometimes it's, it's, it's more than that. Um, so normally what I, if I see a difference in trend of the, we use Fit for 90, but like if I see a difference in from one day to the other, I'll go to that player and I pretty much will just talk to them and see like, everything all right like sometimes it's all all they need is just to talk to them and kind of figure that out um so i i like the verbal feedback way way better because that's an opportunity for you to get to know your player more so you know what's funny is you and i connected a year ago in october for the first time (laughs) and we talked about load management data a year can you believe it and um, oh yeah I remember it was freezing in Michigan I remember that yes and I didn't have any heating in my house so it was the same as sitting outside it was actually warmer outside I was on my balcony (laughs) (laughs) yeah I remember that yeah and we talked about load management and you said the exact same thing we both agreed like whether it's college or national team at that point neither of us was working in pros and we were both like when you see those yeah. tracks, the verbal feedback still matters. Like you can't collect it all just with data. It doesn't tell you the whole story. And so the fact that you've taken the same methodology into the pros is awesome. I've done the same thing. I think it's vitally important. Yeah. Also because they're not having those kinds of conversations. Yeah. It's important to talk to your coach. It really is. It really is. And I think that developing the trust between the coaches and players, I think that's the, the main thing that can really make it like a a team, you know, so I think, again, it's, data is great, right, it's, I, it's really helpful, it guides you through it, what you, we need to, we need to achieve, but there's nothing more important than just the subjective, the kind of the relationship with the player, they will tell you, um, sometimes more than, you know, than just numbers, so 
it's the balance, right? So it's kind of like, it's just not going through extremes and just using the data um, or just using the verbal feedback. There's always that in between that always works. So, yeah, absolutely. So how do you build trust and buy-in then with your athletes, especially working with professionals? And you have a lot of national team athletes in Orlando. Mm -hmm. So how does it work to be like, Hey, I'm this female coach in my mid twenties and here's what we're going to do. And they're used to working with Don Mm -hmm. Scott, who's like an icon. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. She definitely is. Yeah. It's, I think, and that, that, that comes, that came with, a lot of learning for me I think this year especially um the biggest thing that I learned was to be really um understanding of the fact that we as coaches no matter how good we are no matter how much experience we have um we need to understand that we make mistakes too and then we're always learning right so I think to be humble enough to know that I think it's the biggest thing and I think this year uh, especially, I think I, I I beat myself too much because I'm like I need to be the perfect coach. Like I need to do because the athletes deserve it, right? But then at the end of the day, like I learned that it's if I and that happened a lot. So in I would write a drill in paper, a warm up in paper, and then I would do it in live with the players, and it would it would be terrible. Like. I was like, wow, in paper, it looked so good. And then in, in, in reality, it was just awful. Um, and I learned how to have fun with that. In, terms, in the beginning, I would beat myself up with it. I'm like, no, 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 like this is horrible. But then it just kind of, I started having a laugh with the players. I'm like, okay, let's move on. This, is, this didn't work, so we'll try something different. But, um, but yeah, the biggest thing I think is, is – um, for me especially, it was not forcing anything on players, like in terms of my own methodologies, my own ways of doing, because as a professional, they've been through so many different experiences with so many different coaches, right? Uh, so the biggest thing for me was um, to kind of tell them, okay, this is, this is may- maybe work for you, maybe not, let's try it out. If it doesn't work, it's okay. Like, it's fine, right? There's um, another option so right around like, the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just be flexible enough and understand that don't take that personally, you know. Yeah. If they if they believe in other things that it's going to make them better, well, they're, look where they are right now. Something that they did <laughs> is right, right, right? So, exactly. So, I'm not going to, you know, waste my time and waste my like sanity trying to prove a point so if it works it works if it, it doesn't we'll, we'll find something different and that's part of a, a really good learning experience for coaches too to kind of see maybe that's not good anymore to do that specific exercise with the player because your philosophy evolves too um so yeah so have be humble enough to know that and i think uh, don't force anything on the players and, and kind of, kind of what I did was really sometimes I'll throw some exercise there with them. And then if they did it and they felt great and then they're like, okay, I, I think I, I, you know what you're doing a little bit. So I'll trust you on that. And then a little you, bit. you just kind of go in, yeah, <laughs> just kind of going, um, 
know, with no pressure and no rush. And then um, I think that's the best way to do it. Because um, we we're, we're all humans, you know. I think um, people think, oh, they're professionals, they're in the elite level, they're, you know, um, all this, all that. But then at the end of the day, we're all humans. And it's, you know, it's, we all kind of get on the same page with that. So, so give us some more details about the training program, like an annual training cycle in pro soccer. So obviously college is a little bit different because of the college season and the academic year, and they play differently than the professional year. So you guys are in off season right now, heading into preseason. I know you're having fun um, planning that, but give us an idea of how those cycles run, how many times a week you might expect the players to train during those specific cycles um, and a general idea of what you might focus on one or two things during those cycles. Yeah. So I think we have a really long season, but we also have a really long off season, right? So we have a off season from November to March um, and every player kind of goes uh, to different uh, parts of the world and do their thing. Uh, some players are playing in Australia, some with our national teams. And um, so it's my first year kind of having the entire year to prepare them. So like having off season, then I'm going to actually have a preseason to work with them because this year I arrived after preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to test things out and see what works with this group or not. Um, but for me, I think the biggest thing, especially coming out of this long, long um, season, it's having for them to have the time to kind of turn everything off. Right. So like, I gave them two weeks and a half to kind of relax, rest, don't think about soccer. Um, and then from then on, so November, December, the idea is to work on their aerobic capacity. So do um, different runs throughout the week. Nothing really, really specific, not a lot of sprints just yet. Uh, I mean, we work on speed on certain days, but um we try to be more broad and kind of develop that their engine a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the big focus for, for, especially for me with them is the strength part. Mm-hmm. Um, so being able to, so they, we did like a phase of general adaptation um, after those two weeks and a half. So we probably had like a, a month of general adaptation exercises, nothing crazy just to get their bodies moving a full range of motion exercise that will give them mobility and all that. Um, and now we're kind of working to, to do a little bit more like hypertrophy um, with different, I'm trying different reps and sets and see how it works. But um, so they can get that foundational strength again. And, um, and then starting January, February, we'll start getting a little bit more intense and, and with more intent in our training in terms of um, getting more soccer specific and getting max strength and then slowly getting that transfer the power um i but I, I in my personal opinion i try to to i don't really divide okay this is only hypertrophy and then this is only going to be power i do two sessions where it's like really pure strength and then a session in the week that it's more like all about the power and yeah so kind of do um so yeah so january february definitely we're gonna increase the the intensity a little bit uh, as we try to get as close as we can to preseason um but right now for this year until january it's just building the foundational building the engine um getting that them strong 
um, and confident, you know. I think that is the biggest thing to kind of get that confidence in off season that they will arrive in preseason ready to go. Yeah. Um, so we do we do have a high expectation from the players to to follow the, the program, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't force on them again. I think as a professional player, you kind of know what you need to be doing for to be ready. I provide all the tools for them if they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's up to them if they, they'll, they'll take it or not. So, uh, yeah, so for, for us, it's good. We use an app, right? Uh, we use a t- uh, team builder to kind of um, send the sessions in. So it's really good for us to kind of um, kind of monitor what they do um, throughout the offseason, the weights that they're using. Um, and it's really easy and available for them. Just kind of see the, the exercise, they watch the videos, they do the exercise, and then boom. Um, so it's been really good so far. I think it's the, the compliance has been good. Um, I really like what and, you said, though. You said, you said that your off-season, you're trying to still make them better. Like, I've come, in my experience in professional soccer now at this point, I've come into contact with players and coaches who feel like off season is when you take a bit of a break and then off season preseason mm-hmm. is when you come back up to the level of playing whereas like yeah. why wouldn't you use that time yeah. to make your level of playing even better than it was last time like you're still in progress you might not be in the baby developmental stages of your freshman sophomore year of college but you're still a freshman sophomore professional player but even if you're not even if you're 32 I mean the the level of play in professional soccer and especially on the national stage is increasing rapidly every single year, especially in the women's game. Um, with athleticism, there's so much that has changed. So oh, yeah. using that off season to raise the bar, I think is really is really important. So I like that you emphasize that. Yeah, you, you and I can like I still let meet the players halfway, right? So like even with the players that, that are here and training, we're training. If if they if they want to train, I'm available for them. So like, um, it's still off season for them. So I still like I believe that they have to have a weekend off, depending if they're if they're training every day or if they're training four or five days a week. Um, kind of meet them halfway, and it's it's um, it's really it's really rewarding to see them like kind of being confident in the process and saying like, Oh my gosh, I feel good. We're balanced it out. Right. So it's all about the volume and intensity is the, the simple, the simplest thing that we can do is like, um, and kind of progress, um, have an idea of like, we can, we can't burn them out. It's just like a progressive and then they have deload weeks and then they, we go again. You can't burn them out so before they can adapt starts. to what we're doing. But <laughs> exactly. Especially like in some colleges you see, a lot of people doing off season, but they kill them, right? They kill yeah. them, they kill them. But then you just have to be kind of, you just kind of have to find the balance. And for off season, for us, is the biggest thing too is to kind of work on their specific their weaknesses that kind of realize that that they had in 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 the season. So if if that means the the aerobic capacity, the fitness, or um, specific mobility issues that they had throughout the season that we can kind of get stronger in specific range of motion. So that's the time to do it. Um, so even with the players that, that go to Australia and they're playing, they're still playing right now, uh, I still monitor everything from here. I, I send them activation exercises on top of what they're doing strength-wise there with their coaches there, um, but always monitor from here because I think that's important kind of 
really see what they're doing and using that time to still work uh, on the things that they need to get better for next year. So, um, and then soon preseason comes and the people that are actually follow the program they they did their stuff on off season. Preseason is going to be way easier. You know, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be easier. Um, and they they will have, you know, kind of the, the engine is, is good to go. And for any players who are listening to this podcast, I just want you to know that we as coaches, we know if you did the program. When the day you step in to preseason oh, camp, yes. we fucking know whether you did your off-season program or not. You yes. cannot fool us, and you cannot do two weeks and pretend we do. Like you're going to meet the fitness level and our standard. We know. Okay, so just come in and be like, no, oh, yeah. I didn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know, exactly. And, and we've been always talking about this uh, during off-season because it's, uh, it's really easy to know, you know, it's – and it's for their own good, like it's for their own benefit, right? So that, that's why we put everything there um, for them to use it. But if they don't, like it's, it's just going to be a, a rough preseason. So uh, we try to educate them as much as we, can, as we can and try to see, you know, there has to be consistency. You can't just train um, the program on a week and then the next week you don't do anything and the next week you follow the program again. So it has to be consistent. And again, as a professional player, you need to understand that you can one, only one hour a day, you know, and yeah. enjoy the rest of your day. So, um, yeah, so I think that's important. We'll be, um, be interested to see how, how our preseason goes. So hopefully it will be good. <laughs> And then how does an in-season training week look like? Like, give us an example. How many times do they train on the pitch and how many times are they with you in the gym and how often do you have to travel? Um, well, this, this season, it really varied, but we traveled a lot. Um, we had a lot of away games and a lot of those away games are really far, so like at the other side of the country. So, um, so we have to take that into consideration. And you have your international players too that sometimes go to camps um so that's yeah, another world thing cup year wasn't be careful for you especially when they come back <laughs> i know i know so yeah definitely a learning it was definitely a learning experience um so you have to be careful with that you have to know that those players when they get back they they shouldn't be in the same rhythm that the, the other players are we we need to just change some couple of things and and kind of um within the schedule what worked this this year based on the schedule is we had a, a good strength session um and we wouldn't go light on on those sessions i don't i don't think you should maintain strength you you should always get better in season yeah um so i especially with the players especially with the team and kind of the things that i've seen is like we still need to get that strength up so we came a long way from first day and then to the end of the season we had really good uh improvements in, in strength uh you just have to be careful with the volume right it's all all and then the second session the second gym gym session was normally by the end of the week close to a game and that would be more like a power session so it was like 15 to 20 minutes and everything exposed volume uh but to, just to get them into like that uh, nervous system priming and and they they like they like that um priming feels so some good some players more than others yeah exactly so they they like that so that worked with us and then 
we don't normally have a, a, a day off during the week, um, in the middle of the week, um, and that worked well. Um, but yeah, it was, this year was kind of, um, it was a, a learning experience for all of us, um, just to know the league and especially for me to know the, the physicality of the league and everything, the demands of the league are in terms of the physical aspect. Um, so I'm excited for next season because now we know, I know the players and I know a little bit about the demands of the game in this league and, and we'll make the right adjustments for, for next season. So if somebody's listening to this and being like, oh, I want to play pro, I want to do that, like that's my thing, what would you tell them is what it takes physically to meet, to make the pros? Like what are the things that you look for mm-hmm. as a strength coach? Um, I think oof, that's a tough question. But I think the biggest thing, um, it's knowing that it's not easy, uh, especially when your body knows that soreness is part of the, the, part of the process um and hell yeah well I think yeah so I think the biggest thing is knowing that you're gonna get out of your comfortable zone like a lot of times it's not gonna be comfortable and um if you're willing to take that risk and then you're just gonna work hard and um and I I like the holistic weight right so it's you got to make sure your nutrition is right. You're, you got to make sure your mental uh, side is right. And I think the mental side is really, really yeah. important. Because okay. um, I've, I've had a lot of problems that, and when I was a player, I had a lot of big confidence problems that you literally, would, I would freeze in a game. Mm-hmm. So if that mental side is not, is not uh, worked really well, then you can be the fittest that you can ever be. But things are not gonna work right so being a good mindset and yeah the mental side the nutrition side is extremely important uh nutrition side is extremely important and then uh strength wise and movement wise being able to to really uh do what it takes to to get to the next level is do the mobility exercise the boring stuff that it's the little details i think it's all about the little details and if you understand that it's a process and sometimes it's going to be tough but you just got to keep going you just got to believe in the process and um and i think that's the biggest thing um it's you can't rush through it you just have to have a plan in mind and and believe that the process is is right and you're going to get to where you need to be so and surround yourself with the, the right people i think that's important yeah hell yeah i i think not only socially but also like in terms of the the right people to to get to where you need to be you know that's sports psychologists strength conditioning coaches nutritionists and your friends pick your friends there will support you what you're doing and not gonna judge you if you're not you know going to bed at 9 30 at night (laughs) on Saturday sometimes and I can say the same thing for coaches if you're a coach you also need friends who you can get the group chat with and complain about things right (laughs) (laughs) even if you're a coach yeah i i think i i couldn't hear what you say you're good even the the connection is really bad right now even if you're a coach you need those friends that you can jump in the group chat with and complain about things (laughs) if you just need a brain dump and just need to say life sucks you need good friends oh yeah definitely and i think the the mental health is so important. Um, yeah. I think mental health, especially for coaches, is so big. Um, and I've, I've learned that the, the hardest way. I think it, 
you have to be able to take care of yourself. You have to be able to um, understand that you will make mistakes and you're, you know, you always have to work your best to be the best that you can, but um, kind of take it easy on yourself sometimes too. So I, I think as a coach, players that as a strength conditioning coach, I think I, I've seen a, a lot of, a lot of coaches that struggle with that. Absolutely. I always tell my players and I tell my coaches this too, when I'm working with coach to coach situations, like this is a team sport. You're in a team for a reason. You're not supposed to do it by yourself, but tell the people. Yeah. Let me get, let me get cool. Um, yeah. So I, I post a lot of my stuff on Twitter, on Instagram. I like to share my stuff. I don't, I'm not the type of coaches. Like I'm not going to share the world to the world. What I do, I'm completely opposite. So um, my Twitter, Evie Casagrande, Instagram, it's easily, easy, really easy to find. Yeah. And she's freaking amazing. So write her and listen to her and subscribe mm -hmm. to her and listen to the things she said, because she's one of the most giving, caring people, whether it's for coaches or colleagues or for her players, especially, um, one of the biggest hearts and one of the best coaches out there. So thank you so, so thank much you, for your you, time. Coach. Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for inviting me for this. This was great anytime and uh you take care of your mental health and nutrition and get your ass in bed at 9 30 okay <laughs> okay i will definitely do that thank you <laughs> cheers coach <laughs>